0: to talk to you just for a few moments this morning on this subject dealing with disappointment. How do I deal with disappointment? When disappointment comes and it comes to all of us either we're disappointed in ourselves, we're disappointed with somebody else in our life or we become disenchanted or disappointed toward God. Disappointment, not a lot of teaching on the body of Christ on disappointment, but this morning we're going to look at it and give you some scriptural answers. And also help you to walk out of disappointment and walk in the place that God has called you to do. Let's pray. Father, I pray that I would slip away unnoticed, that your word would go forth in power. And God, our lives would be changed today. Not just because we heard from a man, but we heard from you. Holy Spirit, speak. Speak and we'll listen. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, you may be seated disappointment. I remember uh, we were coming back from Disneyland. Disneyland cracks me up. That's where Joey Kate is singing. And Joey is there probably dropping about a thousand dollars in three days, him and Jen, to a shrine that was built to a mouse. <laughs> Don't complain about sitting in church for an hour and 15 minutes when you'll stand in a line for an hour uh, and the ride's over in three minutes. Okay. <laughs> I got really hurt at Disneyland when I was 11. You said, why, Donnie? Because I cut through back one of those gates, and I saw Mickey Mouse sitting back there with his head off and Donald Dunk. <laughs> and they were like one of them was smoking a cigar. Oh, no. <laughs> crushed Crush me. For all you young people, I'm sorry if you're here. I just blew you away. That... Uh, we stopped in a hotel, and Brookie was probably 10, Anna was 8, and DJ was about 3, and we swam in the pool most of the day, and that night, as our custom is we get ready for bed, they always want me to tell them a story. I have told them so many stories throughout the years that it's funny, when we get together, they still want me to tell a story. I told someone recently, I'm not a really good preacher, I'm a good storyteller, so I guess. <laughs> That's my strength, that I like telling stories, not lies, but stories. But that particular night, I don't know why Anna, Anna, I love my daughter, Anna, she's not here so I can talk about her, but um, Brooke was like, by the rules, Anna was anything but the rules. I mean, she could be in a room with her brother, DJ, teaching him stuff that was not going to be good, like, jump, jump, no, don't have him jumping, or you hear her say, where's the ink? where's the ink? They're going to write on walls. I mean, just, Anna was just that way. So that night, it would only be her that would take a Super ball and just fling it across the room and hit Cindy square in the head. Bam. Cindy's like holding her head. I'm thinking, Anna, what did you throw the Super Bowl for? She goes, I was aiming for the wall. I go, well, you just don't chuck a Super Bowl. You don't throw a ball in the room. It's not that big. And you said your mom in the nose. I said, "Were well, you You said you were aiming for the wall. Could you tell the truth? She pauses and she goes, no. I go, what were you doing? Confession time. I was aiming for her nose. I go, well, you hit her right in the head. You hit her in the nose. And then Brooke feels compelled. It's time to come clean. So she thinks she's got to add a confession. She doesn't want us to be disappointed. So her confession is, I've been lying. What? I've been telling a lot of lies lately. I need to to stop lying. DJ's three. He chimes in and goes, and today I went pee-pee in the pool. (laughs) Nobody. Nobody. Wanted to be disappointed with So we're all confessing our sins and disappointment. I think about in this passage that Zachariah had been advanced in years, him and Elizabeth, no children. What does it tell us? Disappointment. Because the response, unresolved disappointment, because pain and loss and disappointment fights for the same place in our heart that the Word of God does. Angelic being shows up. His question comes out of unbelief. Mental offense reveals how he dealt with his past. Never resolved the disappointment, being advanced in years, no children, because he never dealt with it. When the angel showed up, his response was not faith. One of the greatest conflicts, the human flow of miracles in an individual's life is unresolved pain in the heart from disappointment. If you don't know how to deal with disappointment, the stuff we can't explain, the stuff we have no answer for, no Scripture, no prophetic word, no prophecy, in those moments, we can become vulnerable. And so the Bible tells us in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. One translation says a desire realized. When hope is not fulfilled, it means My heart is sick, Donnie? No, it doesn't mean if you have disappointment, you'll be sick or deceased or you're going to die and all these horrible... It means mental disease, spiritual disease is looking for opportunity. And if disappointment that doesn't get resolved with the Lord, it's going to rise to the surface. When he says, desire realized is a tree of life, God designed us in such a way that fulfilled dreams make us happy goal-setting, fulfilled dreams, things that we strive for, when we meet those, there's happiness in our life. It brings us great joy. Because when you come to Christ, when the root of Christ comes down, your spirit is born again, what happens is aspirations and dreams and, and starting families and accomplishments, they're born there by God, and they draw us into our destiny. That, that's the tree of life. If you think of it this way, there are two lifestyles. The track you're on leading to eternity is a tree of life, eternal purpose. But the same place disappointment fills our heart. It's the same place where the abiding Word of God wants to come to rest. And they're both competing for a resting place in my heart. There's competition in the spirit world for a place in your heart. And that's why when you look at John chapter 5, flip over there real quick. In John chapter 5, Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and those that were there. And this is what he said. He said, when I showed up, he said, you didn't recognize me. Why? Because you didn't have the Word of God dwelling in your heart. The Word of God was not in your heart. It didn't abide in your heart because when I showed up, if it had been in your heart, you'd have recognized me. What happens to the person that lives with unresolved conflict, the life of disappointment, the issues that never get redeemed, never get resolved, it fills the place where the Word of God's supposed to fill. Over here, the tree of life, where the Word of the Lord is abiding in your heart, prepares you to hear God and what God is about to do in your life. When I embrace what God has said, I'm in a place to respond to when the suddenlies happen in my life. The suddenlies that I'm not prepared for that catch me off guard. Those that did not have the abiding word of God in their heart, when the Messiah showed up, they didn't receive him. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. So we take that scripture in um, Romans 10 and 17. Faith cometh by hearing, and some of our faith teachers and, and friends of mine, someone said, are you a faith preacher? I said, certainly, I'm not a Tao preacher. But some of my friends in that vein, in that movement, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. But listen to that very carefully. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word that's in you. So if the enemy can get in you disappointment, then faith is not being activated. So the enemy is constantly trying to get you into a place of unbelief. God can deal with little faith, great faith, but God is not able to deal with you when you get into an area of unbelief. As a matter of fact, When you get in unbelief, you're partnering with the demon spirit. And what the enemy really wants to do is to get you into a place of frustration. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so the enemy will come. So faith cometh by hearing. When the word abides in your heart, it prepares you to hear what God speaks. When you embrace what God says without disappointment, unresolved conflict, man, the Lord is able to work. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word, hearing by the Word that's in your heart. That's why Jesus said, listen, you guys study Scripture, but the Word of God doesn't dwell in you. The Word of God is not in your heart. So when I came on the scene, you didn't recognize me because there was no Word in you. So if faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word, then what do I have in me? If I have the Word in me, when I hear the word like you're receiving right now faith explodes in your heart it's impossible to please God without faith doesn't have to be large faith it can be little faith but there is competition in the spirit world for your heart and what resides there and you don't hear a lot of teaching about disappointment but you're hearing some this morning are you with me so far now watch a little later in this chapter in Luke chapter 1 Gabriel has another appearance He's going to, God says, you've got two in one now. You've got two in chapter one. One is Zechariah. The second one he appears to is Mary. And he says, listen, Mary, you are going to have a son. As a matter of fact, it's the son of God. And what does Mary say in verse 34? I am a virgin. How can this, now on the surface level, the question is not a whole lot different from Zechariah's question. Mary said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. Now, Zachariah faced his moment with a freight train of disappointment, but not Mary. Mary came back, and she said, I'm the Lord's servant. She answered, may your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Zachariah faced his moment with a truckload of disappointment, and he said, his unbelief, how can this be? We've had the best pray for us, and we haven't had any results. Years of praying, seeing no results, unresolved conflict. And so God had to shut his mouth up so he couldn't talk during the duration of the pregnancy because his mouth would have messed up the miracle. What about Gideon? Angel shows up. Gideon, he's there. And this encounter with this angel. Now, get out of your mind an angel is a little fat baby with a halo and pampers. If you prayed for an angel to show up and an angel showed up in your room tonight, you'd be the one that would need the pampers. Angel shows up, angelic being. You saw with Zachariah was terrified, fearful, Mary in awe, response of faith, and the chip on the shoulder of Gideon comes out immediately. An attitude. Do you remember what he said? Where are the miracles of our fathers? Conflict, unresolved issues. So when an angelic being comes up, instead of worshiping and being in awe, right away, his response is, where are the miracles of our fathers? We've been waiting for something to happen. Where are you, God? Now you show up. So, he didn't believe at first because in the place where the Word of God resides, he was prepared to respond to the voice of God because in that place he had disappointment. Mary, on the other hand, the difference between Zachariah and Mary's response, she had no offense. Her question did not encourage unbelief. Zachariah's question, how do I know this is going to happen for sure? Don't you understand? We've had the best pray for us. Pastor Joey prayed for us. Donnie Moore prayed for us. Let's go on. Let's see. Benny Hinn prayed for us. Uh, We had uh, whoever your favorite or whoever you watch on television, they all prayed for us. Nothing happened. And this is what, if we're not careful in all of our lives, can be manifested, and it's this. We pray for someone, for God to heal them, and they die. The next time someone comes and asks for prayer, get someone else to pray. You've had three miscarriages you're believing God, someone says to you, pray for me. And you're going, I've had three, I don't have faith, I can't believe, have so-and-so pray. They have more of an anointing there. And what we're saying is, let someone else do it. We've had the best pray for us, it hadn't worked. And then we get into a place where we can have disappointment in our heart because we believe God, we've prayed, and it hasn't resulted in the answer. And so we can be frustrated. As a matter of fact, we can be disappointed, not just with people, but there's a silent disappointment toward God in our heart. And so faith comes, like I'm preaching to you today, but yet some of us sit here and they go, I really wonder if God can use me. And people have this disappointment in their heart toward God, and they don't even know it's there. Are you with me? I'm I'm getting somewhere, and just stay with me because I'm going somewhere. How do I deal with disappointment If you're taking notes, write this down. I'm not going to keep you long. I'm going to give you four points, and I want you to either jot these down or get the CD and and go over these. The first is get honest. Gut-level honesty. It looks like, God, you gave me a promise, something I really wanted to happen. I was believing for it, God, and I felt like you let me down. Wait a minute, Donnie. You just had us sing a song earlier. God, you'll never let me down. Never let me down. God will not let you down. You can't let God down because you weren't holding him up in the first place. The reason you feel like God has let you down, but the Bible says all things work for the good. Didn't say all things are good. They're going to work for the good. So God's not going to let you down. Now, there are times when we feel like God has let us down. And it's okay to go into the throne room of God and say, God, this is what I'm struggling with. God, I feel that you let me down. I feel like I had a word on this, Lord. I feel like you spoke to me, God. And God, I, I, I felt like this time next year that, that I'm supposed to be married and the year comes and you're not married. God, I, I felt like you were gonna give us a child I had a prophetic word someone spoke over us. We, we haven't had the child yet. God, there was gonna be a breakthrough financially. The breakthrough hasn't occurred yet. God, I know you're good. I know you're good, and I, I feel like, however, you didn't come through. Now, write this down. It's important to take the disappointments of life and resolve them personally with God. It's important to take the disappointments of life and personally resolve them with God by going to God and saying, God, this is how I feel. I'm not talking about going to the throne room and dumping on God. I'm talking about just being honest and transparent where you gotta get in your car and go for a drive, get alone somewhere, I like to go where there's water, I like to you know, drive to the mountains, I like to find a place where I can meet with God, connect with God. In this busy social media, pull, go, here, there, all the demands, God doesn't speak to speeding bullets, God doesn't talk to us in the midst of noise, It's hard to hear from God when you've got your TV turned up, your cell phone right next to you, and your computer across the room. There comes a place where you have to shut everything down and get away, get to a place where you talk with God and you are gut level honest. The second thing is you gotta get the negative out of your life. Stop feeding the negative. If you're having a disappointment with a particular issue, or, situation, stop feeding it by building a case against God. I'll say it again stop feeding it by building a case against God. I've worked hard to justify my unbelief. God, I'm sorry, I have been partnering with the demon spirit to build a case against you. And I got to move out of this spirit of complaining. If I keep in this attitude of complaining and negativity, it's going to take me into a place of unbelief. I told you God can work with little faith, great faith. It's okay to have little faith, but the enemy wants to get you into a place of unbelief. If he can get you there and frustrate you and hold you there, he can hinder you from what God really wants to do in your life. Amen, Donnie. Preach it. This is a good point. Now, I'm not trying to get you to run the aisle or clap today. I'm trying to seal this in your heart by taking the Word of God and put it in a place where you can take and make application outside of these doors. And so, I've got to get the negative out of my life. Without exception, unresolved disappointment is trying to take you into unbelief. I'm going to say it again. Without exception, without exception unresolved disappointment will take you into a place of unbelief. Now, I get honest, I get the negative out. Number three, I get a promise. This is so key. When you're faced with things you can't figure out, run to the book of Psalms. Every emotion, every problem, every difficulty, and you read the book of Psalms until you find your voice. I was reading last night Psalms 43. and As I began to read Psalms... 43, for you are my God my only safe haven why have you tossed me aside, why must I wander in grief oppressed by my enemies send out your light and truth let them guide me, let them lead me to your holy mountain to find a place where I can be with you declare me innocent O God defend me from those ungodly people, rescue me from the unjust so you start reading the Word till you find your voice. There you find your voice, you find faith. So if, if you are going through a difficulty in your life, read the Word until you get a promise. You can't base your life on explanation, but you can base it on a promise. So there in the Psalms, I can read Psalms 18, Psalms 27. Whatever it is that you're going through, the answer is there. And others have other scriptures. Have you ever had a difficulty in your life where you have found a passage of scripture that you have literally camped on, stood on? And as a matter of fact, when a preacher gets up and preaches on that passage, you're going, that's my passage. That, that's my scripture. Uh, we all have what we call life scriptures. Mine has always been, and I signed it for 30 plus years on every poster or every brick I've ever broke, First John 4, 9. For we love because he first loved us. And the revelation is this. God loves me unconditionally. So I have unconditional love. He had that for me before I was yet a believer. He had unconditional love for me. So that love that he has given me, I can freely give to others. To me, that's a life scripture. A revelation of God's unconditional love is so key and so important in my life personally. That's a life scripture. Others have life scriptures that are so important to you. So there's nobody in this room that has not faced loss, disappointment, for which you have no answers. There is competition in the spirit world for what resides in my heart as the worship team comes and we close. So number one, I'm gonna walk you through these steps again. Are you following me? So we, number one, we get honest. We come with gut level honesty and we just say, God, I'm gonna be honest with you. This is what I'm feeling, sensing. This is where I'm at. Lord, identify those things in my life that are negative, and they could be people. You ever notice that wrong people do not leave your life voluntarily? Whoever has your ear has influence. Not everybody that's speaking to your life is speaking faith. I want people, when I'm going through something, that's going to come and deposit the Word of God and give me hope and encouragement Not telling me how it's not going to work. So I have to remove negativity from my life. I have to stop complaining. And then by recognizing what's negative in my life, I run to the Scriptures. I run to the Word of God to get promises. I mean, I have binders, literally, of Scriptures. And I'm working on five by seven cards to put up right now on a particular trial that I'm going through. Eight years ago, when I went through a trial, I remember being frustrated with God. When I got into this trial that I've presently been in, God says, Don't carry disappointment in your heart. I can't let disappointment in my heart. Here's what I can let in my heart peace. And I can let presence. Now that's my first point. you got to get his peace. This is my fourth one. You get honest. You get out the negative. You get a promise. And you ask for peace. Get his peace. Get promise. Get peace. Get honest. Get negative out. My peace is not dependent on what I can understand. See, can you live with peace when you don't understand? If I live by a peace that comes from understanding a problem, if I live by peace that only comes when I understand a problem, I'm living with an inferior peace. I'll say it again. If I live by a peace that I can only have when I understand the problem fully, then I live with an inferior peace. The peace of God that transcends all understanding When it says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Because if I do, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard my heart, my mind in Christ Jesus. If I'm going to prosper in my soul, then I got to take care of my mind And i got to protect it by putting things in my mind that I need. And one of the things that I need and only comes from God is peace. Peace doesn't come in a vacuum. Peace doesn't come or joy in a vacuum. You need peace when you're going through something. And that's what God gives you. Donnie, see, I may not understand, but I have to have your peace, God. Now, natural concept of peace A natural concept of peace, absence of noise, absence of conflict, absence of war. That's our natural understanding of peace, an absence of war, an absence that we would have in our life with conflict or no noise, and that's peace. Give peace a chance, peace, world's peace. The kingdom concept of peace is always the presence of the person that has dominion over all circumstances. Mm, 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 mm. So, in the middle of your trial, God, your goodness, I need your peace. In the middle of difficulty, I don't understand, but I need your peace. The kingdom, <laughs> it's all about presence. The presence of the person that has dominion over all circumstances. If I have that peace, if I want you know, peace. If I want joy to be manifested in my life, well, Donnie, I don't want to be hypocritical. I don't want to manifest joy outwardly if it's not in my heart. In the world, that'd be hypocritical. In the kingdom, it's intelligence. It's called faith. In the world, we do stuff because we, we feel like it. In the kingdom, we do what's right and the feelings follow. Ugh. In the kingdom, if I do what's right, my feelings are going to follow. You want joy? Then rejoice. <laughs> you don't rejoice because you have joy. You rejoice to get joy. Get a song in your heart. Get praise on your lips. Get a prayer in your heart. Now I'm not talking about hanging your head down and raising your hands at half mass and singing a mournful praise song. Don't do that. Because you will live under the illusion of praise and all you're doing is affirming your depression. I'm going to celebrate the goodness of God in the very place that I'm struggling. I'm going to insert praise in the very area that I need God in. The darker the cloud over me, the louder I get. I will celebrate in the area I'm being challenged in. God, I need your peace. Peace like a river. Flow over me. God, you have absolutes in your word. And one absolute is simply that you're good. God, you're good. The devil is bad. Sickness is from the devil, not from God. God doesn't have sickness. God has healing. The devil has sickness and disease and torment. I can't sacrifice on the altar of my reasoning, the goodness of God, because something doesn't go the way I think it should go. He's still good, no matter what I'm going through. God is good. Well, Donnie, God, he gave my friend leukemia to teach him something. What? God can win with any hand he's dealt. But God doesn't give disease. And there's a teaching in the body of Christ. It's horrible to think that God would do that. You said, well, Donnie, why does God allow? There are instances in the Bible that we have no answer for, and I'm not going to try to come up with an answer, but I've woken up many mornings with a question mark for a brain. But I'm not going, I mean... The Bible says that he had stripes put upon his back, and his back was beaten, an unrecognizable mass of tissue for my healing. Isaiah 53, 5, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquity, the punishment upon him about his peace. By his stripes I'm healed. First Peter 2, he bore in his body my sins, that I might die to my sins and live for righteousness, and by his stripes we are healed. Romans 8, or excuse me, Matthew 8, he healed Peter's mother-in-law, and afterwards, it said, fulfilled, it was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Psalms 107, verse 20, he sent his word and he healed them. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's entire body. So healing healing is a part of what God redemptively he did for us when he died on the cross but before he died on the cross he was beaten that's that's our healing he bought it he paid for it if you went and you bought a vehicle Maria and you paid $5,000 for it and drove it for five years and then you pastor you took the vehicle back and you said hey I want to I want to buy this vehicle the guy would look at you and say lady you already bought it if he bought it 2,000 years ago he doesn't have to rebuy it it's been bought now I'm not going to sacrifice on my reasoning in my mind to justify anybody I don't understand why all people are not healed but I know that God's good and I'm not going to sacrifice his goodness. And by the way, if you're saying the devil made you sick, and I don't mean to get off on this, but I got to go there because somebody needs to hear this today. The devil made me sick. If the devil, he, he, he brings sickness. We live in a fallen world, but stop saying that God made me sick because where did God get it? There's no sickness in heaven. God's not sick. So God, if he puts sickness on you, is going against what Jesus bought and paid for. And if God made you sick, why are you going to the doctor to get well? You're going against God's will. And The reason, man, I've heard this teaching lately where people are saying, well, God, he's putting sickness on me to teach me something. Man, why did we teach 2,000 years ago from then on in the church healing? Even communion. When we take communion, we just think some grape juice and then we take a wafer. We, we, we don't understand the blood and the body of Christ. Man, I'll come and do a teaching on this whole thing. This is a revelation to me. I take communion by myself once a week. And sometimes I take it every night. And when I take the body of Christ, the bread, I don't get a little cracker. I get a good size And I sit there and I hold it. And when I hold it, I discern the body correctly. We always preach, well, you discern the body by, you know, is there any sin in my life? No, correctly, this is what you did for me, God. This is how I discern it. He said, take my body. Now, I don't want to get off in a big theological argument with you. But he didn't say it was a symbol. He said, take my body. So when I take that loaf, I take that bread... I sat there by myself at night and I say, God, it's your body. There were stripes put upon your back. God, I'm healed because of what you did for me. God, your body was beaten, crushed, heart disease, Diabetes. Depression. Migraines. I discern your body. What you did for me. I partake. The cup, the blood blood, forgiveness of sin. I'm not doing a teaching on communion, but I'm telling you, some of you that are here today, I challenge you, find a quiet place. Get honest with God. Get the negative out of your life. Get a promise. Go get you a cup and fill it and get you a bread. And get quiet before God this week. And say, oh God, I need your peace. God, I need your peace. I need your presence. In that solemn moment, he'll come. He'll come. Don't ever take communion again. And go through the motions. Discern the body and the blood. When he says many fall asleep or sick prematurely, he's not talking because there's sin in your life. It's not what he's saying. That's what we've taught in the church for years. He's saying discern the body. This is what he did for me. This is what he accomplished for me. I'm going to discern it. And I'm going to receive all that he has for me.